the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. If you've ever done any kind of boating at all, if, you, if you're a sailor, been on the ocean and in a bay or any place that's affected by tidal flows, you realize that sailors boaters need to pay attention to the tides because tides always determine water levels. They're affected by the gravity of the sun and the moon, and they come and go during a daytime season, during the day, usually once or twice a day, you'll have a high or low tide. And it's extremely important that you pay attention because if you sail out on a high tide and you don't think about your timing to come back, you may find yourself grounded on a low tide and have to wait until the high tide comes back again. But not only are low tides dangerous, but actually high tides can be dangerous as well. We don't normally think of it that way, but especially when it comes to docking your boat. If you dock your boat at a low tide and you don't set your lines the right way, what can potentially happen is that when the tides rise again, if those lines are not set as they need to be set, then you can find that when you come back to get your boat, it's now floated underneath the dock and you have a sunken vessel. Why? Because you didn't pay attention to the, the tides. Tides are extremely important. They make a difference in a boating experience, and a sailing experience. And one of the things that you notice about tides is that tides change slowly. They don't change suddenly. They change almost imperceptibly over hours of time. If you look at a tide table, you'll see that there'll be a high tide at a certain period, and then hours later, there will be a, a slow tide, and somewhere in the midst of that, there's what's called a slack tide. And so you have to realize that there's a, a process of time associated with it. Unless you watch out for the tides, you're going to get caught by something that happens slowly and progressively as a change that can occur that you don't even know about, you haven't noticed, and it can cause you a lot of loss and can cause some disaster on your part. The same is true when it comes to our spiritual lives. When it comes to our walk with God, there's a certain high tide there are low tides, and we can talk about that as well in, a, in another message, but there are certain high tides. I'm talking about the high tide of pride that you and I need to watch out for. It is a very slowly progressing high tide, but you and I need to learn how to handle it. In the book of Daniel, there's a story. Actually, there are multiple stories in the book of Daniel that we're using in this series together. It actually helps us to understand something about a high tide that destroyed a man. A high tide that destroyed not only a man, but destroyed his role as king and destroyed a kingdom. If you'll follow with me, I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 5, and I'll read the first six verses. Then we'll pick up at verse number 22. They'll be on the screens as I read them. So listen to this story as it unfolds. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet. 
This is, by the way, the king of Babylon that's being referred to here. Gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, or we, it actually was his grandfather, had taken the original word that's used there can also be translated grandfather. His father, grandfather, had taken from, from, from the temple in Jerusalem. So the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God where? And where? In Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. Drank from what? Drank from the goblets that had been used as a part of worship of the one true God of Israel in the temple in Jerusalem. As they drank the wine, here's where things now start going even further downhill. They praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. That was a very sobering moment. Can you imagine? Here you are. Having this great party, you have a thousand of your leading people there with you, and you're throwing this incredible party. You ask for the, for the goblets from the temple of Jerusalem, the temple of Jehovah God in Jerusalem, and then as everybody's celebrating, suddenly a hand begins to write words on a wall. I'm sure that everyone there, they were rubbing their eyes quite vigorously trying to figure out what's going on here and trying to figure out what was transpiring. Let's go now to verse 22 as it unfolds. I'm not going to read the entire chapter for you. I would encourage you. Uh, it's actually really good to read Daniel 4 and 5 together. Those two chapters uh, go very well together. It doesn't take too long to read both of them. So I'd really commend to you that as you go home this weekend to perhaps take some time and read chapters 4 and 5 of Daniel. Let's pick up verse 22, chapter 5. This is after Daniel now has appeared on the scene and they've asked Daniel to come and try to give some understanding in terms of what these words were that were written on the wall and notice what happens. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself. So the whole issue around this situation that is occurring is humility and pride. The whole issue, while hand, a hand came and began to write certain things on the wall, was there was a problem in Belshazzar's life, and the problem was the problem of the tide of pride. And so Daniel begins to address this. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in, in, in his hand your life and all his his ways. Therefore, he sent the hand. Everybody say, he sent the hand. I want you to get that. Who sent the hand? God sent the hand. God sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, Mene, Dekel, Parson. Here's what the words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Dekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. 
Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel, Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed, clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. The first lesson, very simple but yet powerful lessons, lesson is this. Many ships have been sunk by the tide of pride. If we took time today and go through history, just history as we know it, world history, we could talk about people in world history who found themselves at the bottom of the barrel because they didn't understand humility. The same is true for many of us as Christian believers. There's an old saying that says, those who don't learn from history are destined to repeat it. George Bernard Shaw said, we learn from history that we learn nothing from history. In this particular scripture text that I just read for you, two kings are mentioned, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, the grandfather and the grandson. Two kings mentioned. King Nebuchadnezzar, when you go back to chapter 4 of Daniel, you'll find that King Nebuchadnezzar had had the same issue in his life. King Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest king that Babylon ever saw. King Nebuchadnezzar is the one who built the hanging gardens of Babylon. He was a man who had suffered no defeat, a man who had had great success in being the king. Actually, no one in the world could withstand him during his reign until he got to the place that he felt like he was really, really somebody, and, he, and pride arose in his heart, and he realizes that he's going to get in trouble and Daniel comes to him and interprets a dream for him about a tree and, and about a wild animal in the field. And ultimately what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar is he's taken out into, in a field. He goes insane by reason of his pride and arrogance for seven years until he acknowledges that God is God. That's a, that's a very short version of chapter four, I promise you. That is not even the cliff notes, okay? It's not, that's like the CL notes, not even the IFF part, okay? Very short version. But what I want you to see is that Belshazzar should have learned a lesson from history. Because he had heard the stories and understood what his grandfather had gone through, how his grandfather had gone through his arrogance and pride and been insane for seven years and lived out in the fields like an animal eating grass. And ultimately, only when he acknowledged that God was a source of his power and victory, was he restored back to sanity again. This young man or this man, Belshazzar, should have learned the lesson from history, but he did not. It should have been a warning and a reminder to him and to the kings that followed him, not to follow the path of King Nebuchadnezzar. But sadly, Belshazzar didn't pay attention. Look at this again. Look at what it says. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not what? Have not humbled yourself, though you what? Though you what? Though you knew. Even though you knew, even though you understood, you did not humble yourself. Belshazzar continued in the same sin of his ancestor, the iniquity of pride. He didn't learn from the lesson of history. And we have a warning that Solomon many years later gave us in Proverbs chapter 16, and it's found here in this passage as well. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before 
a fall. And so this, even before Solomon is on the scene, uh, uh, these words of Solomon become so powerful and so real in this particular setting. Think about all the examples in Scripture of people who exemplify this particular passage. Think about Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel and how he became arrogant. The Bible even says of of Samuel when he prophesied to him that you were once small in your own eyes, but now you've allowed pride to rise in you. Think about David's son Absalom who, 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 who actually built a monument to himself and his life ended in destruction. Think about the New Testament king Herod, how he exalted himself and ended up being consumed by worms. We could go one after another, all the different stories in the Bible of people whose ships were sunk by pride. The second thing I mentioned a moment ago that's the second lesson for us this weekend is that the tide of pride rises how? Imperceptibly. That's the problem with it. The tide of pride rises imperceptibly. The novice mariner, the, the novice person who's out on the waters for, for the first time and they're, they're learning something about sailing, they don't generally think about the tides. They, they don't take note of tides rising and falling. They're li- literally oblivious to the signs because they're, they're novice. They haven't learned the impact that the tides can make on their, on their boating experience, their sailing experience. And the same was true for King Belshazzar. He didn't realize how the tide of pride had risen in his life until it was too late. And my prayer for all of us is that we would not allow the tide of pride to rise in us before it is too late. We don't want it to rise and then find that our ship is, has now sunk that we're in trouble because this has happened in our lives. Go back with me to chapter 5, verse 23, and let's see again what Daniel said to him. He says, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds his, holds, holds his, in, his, in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. We'll come back to that, see what it happens here. Here's what the words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Stop there with me for a moment. In essence, God said to him, you thought you had a long time, but you don't. You don't have the same amount of time you anticipated having. And then to Kel, you've been weighed on the scales and found what? You thought you were a heavyweight, but you're really a lightweight. You thought you were a big deal, but you really weren't. You thought you were really something heavy and something amazing, but actually, I weighed you on my scale. How I many know God has a different scale than we do, okay? When he weighs us on the scale, he weighs us on the scale that measures pride versus humility. And he says, I weighed you and you were found wanting. Paris, you, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. What I want you to see here in this part of the story is that this pride happened in his life. It, it developed over a period of time imperceptibly unchecked, unnoticed, unacknowledged until the moment that he had to give an account to God for how he had lived his life. It's important to see 
in all of our lives that the tide of pride can rise so imperceptibly. That's why we need to be on guard against it. Here's the third thing that I want to give you tonight. Everybody still with me so far? There are signs of a rising tide of pride. Just because you didn't see them doesn't mean they weren't there. Correct? If you've done any boating at all or been out on the waters sailing or anything of that nature and you've learned anything about tides at all, you know, there's signs that you can tell when the tides are coming and going. One of the signs, if you look at the pilings on any marina, you'll find out that there are watermarks on the pilings and you can see where the water has gone down and where the water comes up and you learn to pay attention to the fact that there are watermarks there that are giving you a piece of information. This is how high the water can go, and this is how low the water can go, and so you might want to note the watermarks on the piling, or you might want to consult a tide table. That might be a wise thing to do before you go out on the waters, and you, you need to maybe ask a few experienced sailors around, hey, how, how do the tides work here? Uh, can you give me a little bit of information and get some of the local experts to tell you kind of what's going on? You need to know the warning signs of the tides. I need to know when it's going to be low, and I need to go know when it's going to be high, and the same is true with the tide of pride, you and I need to know some of the warning signs. And so I thought what I would do based upon scripture tonight is give you what I'm calling here 10 things to look out for when it comes to the rising tide of pride. It might be called a little bit of a checklist because you don't want to find yourself in a situation one day, nor do I, when there's a handwriting on the wall coming your way. Amen. You don't want to be there. And so what are the signs? Let's take a look at these, these 10 together. Signs of pride. Thinking more highly of yourself than you should. That's kind of what Belshazzar had, right? Thinking that you're really something when you're not and thinking more highly of yourself. And this is now unpacks it a bit more. How do you know that you think more highly of yourself than you don't? You lack, what's this key word here? Teachability. You ever notice that proud people, you can't teach them anything because they know it all, okay? They already know it, okay? So anytime that we lack teachability in our lives, it's a demonstration, a lack of a teachable spirit is a demonstration of the fact that we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we should, feeling too big for something small. I'm too big to vacuum the floor. I'm too big to wash the dishes. I'm too big to work in the nursery. I'm too important to help in the children's ministry. I'm too valuable to park cars in the parking lot. Am I getting close to home now? Yeah, thank you. I like that all right over there. That's a good one. Okay, It's going to make me preach another five minutes right there. Okay, Feeling too big for something small. Do you know that the greatest things oftentimes in the kingdom of God are not the big things, but sometimes they're the small things. They're not the out front things. Sometimes they're the behind the scene things. I'm so grateful for the people that we have here in our church that do the small things, but the important things, right? So valuable. And the same is true in every realm of life. If you start feeling too big for something small, it's a sign, okay? It's a watermark on the, on the piling. It's telling you something that you need to pay attention to. Let's go to the next one. Focusing on positions, possessions, and power rather than serving what? Serving people. 
If these things, if your position is more important to you, what is my position? Or your, or your possessions, what is what I own, what can I show off with my life? Or your power, if these things are more important to you than people are, then you're, you're beginning to have a problem here because this stuff is, is now pushing you toward this attitude, it's reflecting this attitude of pride or arrogance beginning to develop in our lives. Let's go to the next one. These get real close to home. I'm going to give you some solutions in a moment, okay? Self-centered ambition and self-promotion. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't, this is not my, I didn't even think about this when I was preparing the message until just now. But my goodness, don't we live in that world today? If you don't believe it, Check out. Okay, just check it out, okay? Nobody tells you how horrible they are on social media. They all tell you how great they are and how wonderful things are and, you know, how it's, just, it's all there because it's, uh, I'm not saying that everything about social media is wrong. What I'm telling you is if we're not careful, the spirit of the world can begin to push us toward something that is arrogant, something that is prideful, something that doesn't reflect the nature of Jesus. And so self-centered ambition, there's nothing wrong with ambition. We should all be ambitious to be the best that we can be for the sake of the glory of God. But if you're all about you, and if you're willing to step on other people in the process of finding your ambitions, then something's wrong. Amen? Okay? You don't step on people to get where you want to be in your life. That's something that's, re- that's contrary to the nature of Jesus. Okay? Let's go to the next one. Here we go. A critical spirit in mind. What are, what's happening when you're being critical of other people? I'll give you another phrase that goes along with fault finding. When you spend a lot of your energy and time, or your, this is what the focus of your life is, finding fault with other people. What have you done in that, when this characterizes your life? You've now become not what? The judge of others. And last time I checked, when a judge comes into the courtroom, what does everybody do? Everybody rises and says, Your Honor, okay? And see, when you're living with a critical spirit in mind, you, you kind of live with this idea that everybody needs to kind of bow to me because my, my, my perspective has to be the right one all the time. And so this is key that helps us to think about the rising tide of pride, okay? Judgmental and harsh thoughts, words, and actions. That goes just an expression of uh, further of what I just described there. Harsh thoughts, harsh words, harsh action. When you're putting people down, your words communicate arrogance. Your words communicate pride potentially. Let's go to the next one. Here we go. Resistance to directions. You know that if you just resist directions all the time, what is that saying? It says the same thing. Lack of teachability says it says, you know what? I think I know best. I think I know better. I just have a few more here. Walking through a checklist. Everybody okay with this so far? Okay. It's really quiet in here. Okay. (laughs) Preoccupation with affirmation and attention. Okay. If you've got to have affirmation all the time, you've got to be the center of attention, what is that telling you? It's telling you are the most important thing around. All right? Here we go. 
defensiveness and argumentativeness in relationships. You know, the Bible says by pride comes contention, okay? And so when we're defensive and argumentative in relationships, it's indicative of the fact that these are signs. Now, not one of these necessarily point to a significant major problem in your life, but it's a combination of these things. And so what you and I want to learn to do, I don't want to end up like Belshazzar. How about you? I don't want to end up like Nebuchadnezzar. I, don't, I want to learn a lesson that they didn't learn, that the, those guys didn't learn. I want to learn the lesson in my life to watch out for the tide of pride because there's, there's certainly signs that you and I need to be aware of. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.